Resilience is the quality of being able to adapt to stressful life changes and bouncing back from hardship. Resilience is a response to tragedy, crisis, or other life-altering changes that allows us to move on despite the loss. Resilience is the biblical norm for Christians. The Bible contains many admonitions to press on, Philippians 3.13-15, overcome hardship and temptation, Romans 12.21, and persevere in the face of trials, James 1.12. It also gives us numerous examples of people who suffered greatly but continued to follow God's plan for their lives. Proverbs 24:16 could be seen as the theme verse for the resilient, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. This is the Spotlight on Resilient Christians with Cleveland Rhodes. And welcome to this spotlight that we have right here on the Spotlight for Resilient Christians. I am so blessed to even deal just to tell you right now i am so humble and blessed with this man god about to talk to because one of the things that uh i meet with lots of people around the country all over the world is people who are the most humble down-to-earth men and women that you ever meet and i'm gonna tell you something about this man god because about him it's so blessing because i i look at when I watch him, I meet him been friends on Facebook for a while. But not only he's well known in a lot of areas. Uh, I I could go down the list of stuff that he's well known. If you know Nation Savers 2016, 2018 that he's doing on Facebook, but also this man God. Whew! I'm gonna tell you something about him. He's the most humble man I ever met. He's one of the humble men I ever met, and I will tell you why. He's a very humble man. He his his testimony of from being a liberal, or they say a progressive, you know, a, 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 a unbeliever, to a child guy, is refreshing because when me when we talk we talk today, I mean this man. God, I, I don't know what to say. I don't think I could tell you, even from his conversation, this man, a God, is a force to be reckoned with from the body of Christ. And the main reason why I wanted to spotlight him is because of what God is doing through him. And this is the most profound man that you want to meet because... He, of what he does and how he is uplifted the body of Christ through his uh, intervention from the world to what he's at in the body of Christ. Remember, this man is not a dead man no more. He's a lively, humble Christian because of the blood of Jesus. And he's a resilient Christian because it's a lot of things that went against him because he took his allegiance from the devil and move it to by a Christ. So I want to introduce you, everyone, that is listening in right now, of this wonderful person, Gary Benford. How you doing, my man, guy? Uh, Cleveland, thank you for that introduction. Uh, I can't possibly live up to that, and that, and and no no person could. The things you said about me. That's not me. That's the Christ living within me, because it's only through Jesus Christ that I'm able 
to uh, even represent him in, and, and, and my whole life is about presenting him and trying to represent him the, the correct way. Before we start, I do want to say one thing about the, where my humbleness comes from. You learn things from experience. Before I was a non-believer, I remember when my life was falling apart around 1995 and uh, I had lost my uh, uh, the place where I live, my wife had left, all kind of things were going wrong and I'm sitting in this little apartment with all these boxes. Uh, I never even hadn't even unpacked yet and one of my friends who wasn't even a believer came over said, you know Gary, there's something about you I've noticed over the years that you always land on your feet and God has always blessed you. And I'm even gonna cringe Cleveland when I say this, I actually looked him in the face and said, God bless me, I bless myself. I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm the one who went to college. I'm the one who got the degree, that and the other thing. And I'm the one who got this, that. And I went on talking about how I was where I was on my own and and that's where the humility comes from because anytime now i think about where god has brought me as a as a saved believer in the lord and savior jesus christ if my head ever begins to get too you know he'll just dial that up and i, I was thinking about that this afternoon how how incredible prideful i was and and so out of touch to to what god would expect from us and it's only through his mercy and grace in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that I'm a changed man. So thank you very much for that very kind introduction. It, it, it's well deserved, Gary, because um, one of the things that I know is about you, my brother, is that you are a few believers that I have met that really says it's not me. A few people can say, cannot say that even as I became a believer myself. It was very hard to even accept the fact that I was a good person because I wasn't good and I never will be because even Jesus said himself that um, who is good but God. And even from that standpoint, I realized my um, worth in him. And that's why I really admire you so much and just, just to see what you do. As a man, God, that you go in and and just and just tell people the gospel. That's the kicker. Is that you tell the people the gospel, and people now are trying to understand what their worth is without the gospel. So let me ask you this, and um, I want you to elaborate a little bit about your humble beginnings when you became a Christian. When you were sitting there with all these boxes and life was in shambles, what was it that it was when your friend told you that God has blessed you? What was it that you was feeling after the fact? Because you know it was, it was a feeling when you realized your friend has t uh, uh, told you something that was actually the truth. But you didn't know what to, how to receive it. How was it when you, when you went through that? Um, as Jesus said, as he told the Pharisees, uh, you know, they were spiritually blind. They couldn't see. Now, they said they could see. And he said, say, you can see your sins on you. But uh, he said, actually, people who don't who aren't saved, who haven't been born again. And I'm sure we'll get into that. They're spiritually blind. You, you can't see God. You can't you can't see the things of God. And 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 you're really 
you're living for the world, you're, you're like an ethical humanist, and everything is based on secularism and worldliness. Uh, and you're really under the guise of the unholy trio, the world of flesh, your own flesh, and the devil. And at that time, when this person, and his name is Maurice Keels, and, I, I, and at the time when he, he, he said that to me, it offended me that, that I'm saying this is me. And, and what God was saying, okay, what ended up happening was from that time even on, and even before that, say I'd already said I had lost my job. I was working uh, you know, for one of the top newspapers in the United States, the New York Daily News. They laid me off. They had the paper changed hands. I didn't make the cut. I was one of the most renowned people because I was a sports writer and my picture was on my column, so people knew me. Mm -hmm. I lost my job. My wife moved, lost the apartment, and what God was doing was stripping me down, stripping me down of all my humanness, stripping me down of all the things that I thought was important to me till I hit the bottom of the barrel, and all that was left was God self, and I had to make a choice. I was one of those people that was so prideful. I look at people riding the bus, and I say, why are they riding the bus? Can't they get a car? Next thing I knew, I didn't have a car. Now I'm taking the bus, getting up at 6 in the morning to go do a temp job, okay? Mm -hmm. God just stripped me down and just said, okay, you can do it on your own. Well, how the for you? And at the bottom of the barrel was where I found Jesus Christ. That's where I found the voice, and, and the beautiful thing about God is his timing is perfect. There was a woman, her name was Melva Robinson. She worked in the uh, Newsday, when I was writing Sports and Newsday, right out of college in the, in the mid, uh, late 70s. She worked in the library. Every time I had to go get a clip, you know, to look at an athlete or something to find out his background, I'd have to go to her. And she, she had gotten saved, and she was trying to get me to go to church with her and was telling me about Jesus Christ. And I didn't want to hear it. I actually wanted to hear it. She was out of the dating scene now. She was trying to get me saved. I, I didn't know what save was. I thought I was a Christian. I had no idea, Cleveland. Mm. See, and what, ends up, what ended up happening, she let me go. She let me go. She didn't cram it down my throat. She didn't try and force God on me. She didn't try and force Christ on me. It wasn't my time. See, mm. and what ended up happening, God knows the perfect time. He hit me where it hurt. He hit me at the right time, with the right message, right circumstances, which means for me, he had to take everything away that I thought was precious to me. Everything. Amen. Now he's giving it all back. The wife, I hope she's coming soon, or do I? But he's giving everything back, you know, and built me up this time through him. So it was 1997 that I heard the voice and, uh, and gave myself to Jesus Christ because I realized I was a sinner. I realized that I can't pay for my sin. I realized only perfect people go to heaven. Not good people, not pretty good people, perfect people. Amen. Nobody's perfect except the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I need his righteousness. I need his blood to cover me. Either I'm going to have to pay for my sins the rest of eternity in hell, or Jesus Christ will pay for my sins. I realized how much he loved me and that he was willing to accept me, after all the mistakes I'd done, all the things I had done, everything I'd done in my life, including having several abortions with, with, a, with a woman, uh, more than one, this is before I got married, all the things that I had to repent from, that God was willing to put his arms around me and tell me, I, 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 I brought you into this world for a reason. You were born for a reason. Serve me. I love you. Serve me. I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. I'm your father. I love you. I love you so much. 
but you've got to come my way. You can't come your way. You've got to get off that wide road and get on my narrow road. And once I made that commitment, he has now steered me. And the person you see now is from 1990 on where God has just moved and led me. And that's why you see this humility, because I couldn't do this on my own. I couldn't stand up and talk about Jesus, and I couldn't stand up and talk about sin, and I couldn't stand up and tell people, you know, if you don't, if, if he's, he's the only way, and they say, well, what about the other ways? I'm saying, well, if he said he's the only way, he's not a good person if he's wrong, he's a demon. He, either he's right, and he resurrected, and that's proof that he's the Lord and Savior, and everybody else is wrong. When you give those type of messages, and then when the Lord starts to use you and move me into something I had no interest in, what was it in politics? Because uh, Nation Savers 2018 is really a political site. It's, it's, it's more, it's, it's Christian oriented, but it's upon trying to understand that this is the greatest nation ever because of the Constitution that came from Judeo-Christian values that came from God. So when you stand up from conservatism, when you stand up from God, when you stand up for the sanctity of life, when you stand up for the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman, when you fight against socialism, communism, all the collectivisms, Marxism, all thrown into this together, and you take on the left, when you take on the unholy trio of the world, the flesh, your own flesh, and the devil, believe me, you can't do that on your own. So I, I like Moses going into Pharaoh, I better stay close to God, otherwise I'm going to crumble and burn. And he's done. He's 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 upheld me, and he me strength that I didn't know I have to do things I never would have dreamed of. I would have even have wanted to do. And because of that, I give him the glory. I give him the praise, and I give him my life. Amen. You know that's so powerful because, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what happened to me. And and when God did that to me, it was, you know. I remember that I was going to take my whole my life. I was going to kill myself. Oh my god! Yeah, um, and the main reason why is because my life was I was an adulterer. I was messing around with a bisexual woman, right? And I was messing around. I, I not only with her but other women. I had sex outside my marriage several times, and that was part of that and plus i was a very very arrogant mean spirit hateful man i mean i came from a family that taught me how to be this way and i it came this way on my own recognizance no one did not put the gun in my head told me to become this hateful person i became that way because of sin in me then i became more like a tear because what I did was I pretend that I was saved because I went to church all my life. And when I, when I did all that, I thought I was right with God. And that's when I know I was in the place that when my wife got right with Jesus and got right with Father God, it looked strange to me. It looks weird to me. And when that happened, I, I realized a couple of things. She's got to be fake it or this is real. But I did. I thought I was real. I tell all the things that was going on in my life did not line up with him. 
And now, when I took my allegiance from Satan and and put it into my Lord Jesus, I see the difference. But not only do I see it, I experience it, and I'm walking in it. Like you said, that never rolled. I was looking for it when I became saved. I was looking for that never roll. I and believe me, it's still hard to find. But once you own it, it's not hard. It's a hard road to walk. And I realized that road. And believe me, this road that we work on together is a very, very predominant hard road to walk on. But with God on our side, everything's possible. So let me ask you this, Gary. And this is something that a lot of people that I see going on in churches today that really resonate what a true believer really is. What is it that made you known that you were right with God when you realized that the things that he stripped you from is not the things that he made you to be? When do you knew that you was right with God at that time when that happened? That's a very nobody's ever asked me that question before, Cleveland. It's a very and it has it, it has it has a, a lot of uh, layers to the answer. One of the things one of the things that I would say to everybody that's listening, everybody's you know, as God said, don't compare. Nobody's journey, no two journeys are alike. Everybody's wired differently. Everybody has different uh, backgrounds, and everybody has different uh, things, thin patterns, and things that formulate in your life that make you who you are. One of the issues that I had growing up, I, I uh, was a legalist. I, I was somebody, because my father was uh, Wally Benford, who's dead, was, was very a strong, ma masculine, macho type guy, and he was a very, very strong, authoritative figure. So I grew up basically not wanting to cross him because I didn't want that belt on my butt. Okay, and uh, <laughs> right. See, I, mean, I grew up in the fifties, you know, and 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 back then, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. And I'm telling you, I looked at you. You don't believe, you don't understand it then, but discipline. My my father and my mother, who's also dead, all passed away. Ola Benford, the the discipline they instilled in me. The one thing they did, they 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 really put this discipline in me. And you can see the difference when you're like 17 to 22 years old. And now, you know, you're on, you're in college, and and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you're looking at a lot that you wanted to hang out with in Summit, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, days, a lot of the kids that had no that, that they were allowed to stay out all night, or they were hanging out, or going to all these parties and doing all this stuff I wasn't allowed to do. A lot of them end up dead very early. A lot of them end up in jail. A lot of them end up on drugs, and a lot of them end up with uh, you know they they may they may have a job, but it was a job that was just basically that in job and I, I'll never forget when I came back from college after uh, after uh, you know I'm writing for the newspaper where several people came up to me and said man we're glad you made it out of here I wish you know that I had paid more attention to things like you did mm -hmm. see that 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 discipline that was instilled in me really was because I was doing it not because I wanted to do it, I was doing it because I had to. And that's something God had to break me of. And the reason I'm saying this, Cleveland, is because when I moved to the Christian realm, 
I moved in as if it was a series of rules and regulations. You do this, you do this, you go to church and you follow this and you do this and you don't do that and you do this and you don't do that. And it took a long time, maybe 10 years, maybe till 2007 for God to really start to crack that veneer and say, it's not about legalism, it's about a relationship. Amen. I, it's about you and me. And I don't want you to do it because you feel you have to or I'll punish you, you know. Mm -hmm. I want you to do it because you love me it's the right thing to do, and just like you tried to please your parents, you tried to please me. And then my problem was, you know, I, 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 I feared that belt growing up. Right. So now I'm fearing God. I was literally afraid of God for several years as a believer because I'm afraid that God's going to be an extension of your father. And this is what I'm saying about why how you determine a lot of a, a lot of the patterns of your life early on as a Christian. So what would happen? If I did something wrong, I'm waiting for God to lower the boom on me. And after a few years, God said, now, you know, you know, we're near perfect. You know, you're screwing up here, there, and doing all this stuff, right? He said, if I lowered the boom on you, I'm not your father. You know, I'm not that father. I'm not, I'm, I'm your, 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 you, you know, you're, you have no condemnation anymore. You're, you're covered mm -hmm. by the blood of my son. You know, just, just love me, up, relax, and let me lead. Move over from the driver's seat, get over the passenger seat, let me drive this car and show you, because if you let me drive, you'll overcome your passion. And if you let me drive, I'll be able to turn you in who I created you to be. And that's what I tell people. Let find out. Let God let God drive your vehicle. In other words, give him the right he deserves and shape you into who he wants you to be because I assure everybody within the sound of my voice, if God molds and shapes you, you will not fail because you're going to be doing his will and his will is always going to be pleasing you. I never thought, Cleveland, that I could ever feel more, more joy than show night. When I was managing Dwayne Funky Flute Man on D-Man's record. Mm hmm Great world-class flute player. We had a world-class band about him. He got the headline at the 1996 Olympics. We were going around playing, opening for a lot of acts. Regina Bell, I could get, get the name of a whole slew of people he opened for. A world-class player. Everybody loved this guy. He was also in Erica Badu's band for a little bit, playing the flute. If you ever seen any videos of him, that's him up there. I never thought I could have a bigger feeling than show night like at the Apollo Theater places we were playing where that curtain goes up and the people are going crazy and even though I wasn't on the stage I used to be a musician but now you know I'm in music management I'm his manager I'm putting the show together getting the dancers together the band the singer it's really you know I had a lot to do with the whole production on its show night and when that curtain drops and the crowd is going nuts and they wanted him to come out for more I never thought I could have a, a greater feeling than that and but the feeling of God's well done, good and faithful service because serve it because you've done my will. It just so far surpasses anything that you can imagine. So what ended up happening to me, course of time, God is whittling away. You know, it's a pruning thing. It's about regeneration. You have to be born again. You've got to be born of his spirit and he will start to change you from the inside out. Certain things may go quickly. Others, it may take a while, but he will continue 
the good work that he started in you, right? And eventually, as I kept moving on and moving on and moving on, it, it was reaching the point to where I am now becoming more in tune with him, understanding how he thinks, what he wants from me. And it became a lot easier just to, to submit and let him have my life. And that's very hard to do because we're all, you know, we're, we're basically, you know, about self. That's what the right. world is, self. And um, it took, and it took a long while. It, 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 it is a process for everybody. It took a long while for me to really allow him, the, you know, the, uh, to take control. And I can tell you when the defining moment was. The defining moment, there, there are two, two moments. One, uh, the artist that I was telling you about, Dwayne Curry, played the national anthem and performed at halftime on our, or, of an Orlando Magic basketball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so they flew us down to a nice hotel. He did the anthem before the game and performed a couple songs at halftime to track. Mm-hmm. We're flying back. We've been together for quite a few years. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I, 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 I want this to go on. And... Can you make a commitment to me that as long as I can perform and, and you know, and earn a living that you're a manager? And I made that commitment to him over the air, probably. I could, we could have been over Tennessee for all I know, but I made that commitment to him that I would be his manager for life. And then right after his first CD came out, and I think it was 2004, God said, you know, I let you get, I let you, I let you finish that project, but now it's time for you to, to go to work for me because my calling's higher. Because what you're doing, you're doing for yourself. But mm-hmm. what I want you to do, I want you to do for other people. And that was the hardest decision I may have had in my life. And that was my defining moment as a believer. Walking away and having to, in the very place I'm sitting right now, in the same house, tell Dwayne that I'm, I have to break this promise. It, it didn't go very well uh, because it, it kind of blindsided him and, and I had become ambivalent. I, I, I wanted to stay. I wanted to leave. I didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. but I knew I oh God, it. And that's the whole key. The whole key is when he knocks and when he says, okay, I understand what you're doing, but I need you over here because I have something greater for you. Right. You don't know what it is. You can't see it. You just have to walk through that door and trust by faith. And see, if I don't do that, I'm probably still with him making music somewhere. And he may have four or five CDs out. And he may go country and I'm killing myself, you know, working 24 hours a day. But I would have never met you. And I would have never had any effect on getting people saved. I would have never been telling people about Jesus Christ and the Lord. But the big thing is I probably would have wound up in hell. Amen. See, my salvation, the salvation of the Lord, you know, it, it's very hard to stay in that secular world, especially in the world of music, which is Satan's play toy. And I could have drifted away. I thought I was saved, but, you know, this was the proof. And the proof is when God when God gives you that, as Jesus said uh, to the rich young ruler, uh, you know, you got to do, and, you know, sell your goods and follow me. Um, and when you face that moment, that that's when you know you're saved. So I, I pretty well knew you know, by that time, that was around the time I realized that God had control and I was willing to follow him wherever he took me. That's a blessing, brother. I, <laughs> wow. And I'm going to tell you the reason why I said wow, because I used to, uh, you know, I used to admire people who were at a status quo in life and I was trying to get there myself. I was predicating my, my beliefs 
into selfish ambition pretty much I was pretty much was going through the motions of trying to lift myself up to be something more than God and what happened to me in my life it was an indicator that I need a savior because I, I I tried to I was very ambitious but the ambitious driven me into the life of self-indulgence, selfishness, and self-centeredness. All that was all about self. And that just just led me to a path that, you know, I became this arrogant, non-efficient person. Then uh, I trying to be a top IT guy. And that's another thing that people who like said, well, you know, you've been doing, I, you know, you, you know about computers, you're smart. I mean, I remember my mother used to tell me, that brains are sexy and because if you know so much about certain things you could get further in life well that is worldliness that was the big huge thing that need to be broken out of me that God had to come in and say that's your idol that's what you worship you worship the world more than you worship me and this is when I got saved because even when I got saved, I was still trying to find my self-worth. But God knows your self-worth because he knows you. He made you. He made you just the day that you was born. He knew you from every inch of who you are until now. And that's why I realized even now that my life was much more meaningful in him than, my, than trying to find out how to be meaningful in life for myself. Which this I love your 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 answer of the of the question I gave you, but I want to ask you this question here, and and this is related to when you when you realize that that God has got you from being a manager of a well-known flute play. I mean, fluids. I mean, you this guy was great. I know the guy you're talking about to the point of now serving him. When you realize that I have a higher calling, that God called me, and this calling is much more that I could handle, what was it at the point that you realized that it's more about him than me? When you realize that, what was that point when you realized that I, it's, it's not about me anymore? That's a, that, you know, you're, you're asking such wonderful questions. And, and the reason I'm loving these questions is because it can help to edify and help I that people who are listening Amen. can see yourself in the process. The problem, I think, when a person comes to God is you don't know him. You've spent so many years. I was 47 when I got saved. You, you, you don't know you really don't know him, you don't know his will, you don't know his ways, and you don't really know how he operates. You may think you know, but you don't necessarily know, which is why it's important to listen to good fundamental Christian uh, preachers and also to read your Bible, get good Bible concordance and read and come to understand, and this was very important for me, Cleveland, how God operated in other people's lives. Like I looked at how he operated in Moses' life, how he operated in, in Joshua's life, how he operated in Noah's life, how he operated in King David's life. Because the reason 
people are in the bench. Samson, the reason those people are in the Bible is so you can see how God works with a willing heart. Doesn't mean a perfect individual, but a willing heart. See, and I didn't understand at the time because I never had really been in my around true born again people. I've been around people who said they were Christian. But there's a big difference between somebody who says they're a Christian and goes to church and somebody that's born again. Born again, Amen. you have the Holy Spirit on the inside and Jesus comes on the inside, third part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now he will allow you to see his vision through your eyes, but it's no longer your vision. It's his vision. And that's how you can start to piece together what the role is and what God has in mind for you. The thing is, though, the just live by faith. So he's not going to show you the whole tapestry. It's like the game, I think it was called uh, uh, Concentration. They'll show you a piece of the puzzle, but not the whole puzzle. you got to guess the puzzle. God will right. open the door and say, are you willing to walk through this door? So did I leave the music business? Yes. Now what? I don't know. But you don't get to see the next piece until you make the first step. And you keep making your and he'll show you more and more. So it's all about, to me, like a hurdler. Mm -hmm. It's like God will give you a series of hurdles, like a hurdle of running a race. Right. Now, you can jump over a lot of hurdles on your own. But if you are going to walk with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and God is going to have control of your life. You've got to be a pole vaulter, because you need that pole to get over those high hurdles that you can't jump. And the pole is God. The pole, the pole is the Holy Spirit. So what, what ends up happening is, God gave me a series of hurdles that I needed to climb. I'm going to give you a couple of them, because they're huge. Oh, this man. was the first one, okay? The one was the scripture about do not love the world because if you love the world the love of the father's not in you and i'm like what i love the world i was i in other words i lived i got up for pleasure i actually worked just so i could have a good time my life was about having a good time Amen. from the time i got out of college i was a sports writer and then in the clubs after the games then i got into music business music and then in the clubs, concert halls. I was out, vacation. I just, my life was pleasure. That's it. It was pleasure. Like, wait a minute, Lord. There's something wrong with this? And I'm like, what do you mean don't love the world? That was a hurdle I had to, I had to cross. And then, he, of course, the great thing about God, if you have a willing heart and you're willing to open your ears and your eyes, he'll show you. So he's saying, it's not the world, because yeah, you can go down to your Christian beach and swim, and you can do a lot of things. It's the world system. The world system is set up by Satan. That came in the fall in the garden. Ever since then, we're playing road games. You, you never get to play a home game. So I'm saying, don't be a part of his system. We're peculiar people. This is not your home. We're visitors. You should be salt and light here, but don't fall prey to that. That was a hurdle. And here was the big one. And this is the one that I uh, Cleveland really, really affects a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's Matthew 10, uh, 34 to 39, where Jesus said, I did not come here to bring peace. I, I came 
I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I come to set a father, a, a, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be those in his household. He who loves his father or mother more than he loves me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And who does not pick up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life will find it. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm saying, what? Whoa, this is <laughs> tough here. And I like, because I, I have to be honest, Lord, there's some people that I, I think I love a little bit more than I love you. Like, you know, I, and, and, and the thing was, he, he would show what he means. And what he's saying is, if you have only entitlements, any of them, mm-hmm. that you are willing to put in front of me, Satan will be able to use those, be it your job, your money, your career, your wife, your husband, whatever it is, he will be able to use that to turn you against me because the sin you will end up making, you will end up making because you love that person more than you love me and my word. Because you've got to give your allegiance to me. And if not, you're going to fall by the wayside because you're going to make bad decisions. And how many people do we know, Cleveland, that make bad decisions? How many people have you witnessed to that will admit to you that Jesus is the Messiah of, an, of another religion? They say, but I can't do this because my, my, my husband's Hindu and, 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 and the kids are Hindu. I was born Jewish and my, my dead mother and my dead father... They were Jewish, and I, I can't do that to them. You see, oh, see, man. see, and and they're willing to go to hell because they had a love that surpassed the love of Christ, and that's what he meant when he said, "He who finds his life will lose it." Meaning, if you're looking to do your own thing, you'll lose your life because you're going to end up in hell. But if you lose your life, in other words, if you give your life up for his sake and let him have your life and give it back to you the way he wants you to have it, you will now save and find your life. And that hurdle was the one, to answer your question, that, that kind of lifted me over to realize that the, the key to this thing is to quit kicking against the goads and quit trying to fight him and let him lead me. Because whatever he has for me, I'm going to be a much bigger success in his eyes than I am trying to do stuff in my own life. Because I tried to do it for 47 years. And I think everybody who's, not, who, who's born again now that, that, that can look back and say, you know, well, this didn't work out. And even if it did, you could have a billion dollars in the bank and wind up in hell. So what good was it to profit to gain the world and lose your soul? See? Man. So... So here, so that's the answer. Uh, there were tests, and you keep tests. Galatians 2, 20, 21. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Christ. It's no longer me, but Christ lives in me. And now I live in the flesh, but I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, the flesh and the flesh I used to live in, now I live by the Son of God. Because I was a legalist, I put the, took scriptures like this, put this on, and I'm doing it legalistically, and then eventually God said, now do it because you love me. Or if you don't, if you can't, if you and, and if you don't, stop. Don't do it. 
Don't do it legalistically Amen. because I'm only interested if you really mean it. And now if you don't mean it and you have a problem, we'll work on it. Okay, we'll work on it and I'll get you there. <laughs> See, so these are the things that happen. So then, bam, what ends up happening? Next thing I know, I'm teaching Sunday school. I, I loved it. I was teaching the 7 and 12 years. It was the joy of my life. I couldn't believe the joy. I prepared 8 to 10 hours a week just to teach an hour class with only 2 to 5 kids in it. I loved it. I, it, it, it the joy that, 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 that it gave to just pour Jesus into these young souls was mm. just incredible. And the next thing I know, you know, we could talk about this later. I, I wrote a thesis on Christians and voting because I was trying to tell people you're real Christian. You can't, you, you can't support abortion and same-sex marriage and socialism and social justice and, and getting God out of the school, the workplace, and the government. You can't support those people and call yourself Christian. So I wrote a thesis on Christians and voting, which among uh, the, the predominantly uh, black church people was met with, uh, they basically vomited on my face. Okay, yeah, I, I gave it to you. That's all I can do. Okay, and the next thing I know, uh, you know, I, I got involved politically. I had no interest in politics whatsoever. I cared less, but I ended up seeing somebody on a TV show, Curtis Bowers, who had put out a video called Agenda, Grinding America Down. And I, I bought it, and, and I saw, wow, we're in the midst of a communist takeover. You know, and, 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 and everything that he said, I, I saw to be true, and then I started indoctrinating myself in that. The next thing I know, I'm doing Nation Savers 2016 to promote <laughs> his video. The second one, which was called Agenda 2, uh, Masters of Deceit. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I was a writer, right? Because mm. God, I've been a writer. Mm -hmm. And I had been in the music business, so I know how to create a brand. I know how to market. I know how to promote. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to write my own stuff, and people are responding. And next thing I know, Nation Savers... 2016 turns into Nation Savers. 2018, I'm doing speaking engagements, a television show, and all, all on radio, and I'm talking. And this will just show you, you never know if you're willing to start and just trust God, step out on faith, and see where he'll take you. Because now, what I do is for time and eternity, it has a meaning. It has a meaning to the body of Christ, and it has a meaning to the country. See, and, 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 I, and it's just such a great and peace, Cleveland, just to know that what you're doing, you're doing by the will and grace of God and that you have the cover of God. Because if you do, just like Moses walking into Pharaoh, you will not fail. Wow, Gary, I, I <laughs> you know what, my, my um, no, brother, you're so amazing about what you just said. God's so amazing. Believe I know. Yeah, I, I know, because I'm going to tell you something. The major part of it, that's exactly how I went. The way that you went through I went the same way that you went through it. Because um, when God told me in 2016 to build the Brazil Christian Radio Network, one thing about it, you know, my wife told me you need to do this because when I was of the world, I was doing radio, I was talking about stuff, but it was nothing about God, it was about self indulgence and things like that. Then, when God got involved, and when He got involved, He got involved. I didn't want to do radio, I didn't want to touch it, I didn't want to do it anymore because it was splitting my family apart. 
then God just told me, he says, it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for the will of me. When he showed me that, he just showed me that this scripture. He said this, that, you no, know, he, he told me exactly words. He said this, that a man will fall seven, seven times. But I will build back up there. That's a Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. And when he told me that, I said, wait a minute. What did that mean, Lord? He says, are you going to fall several times before you get this right? But with that, you will understand my will that I will be with you through the whole thing. This is not about you. That's where I realized, even from the standpoint of being at that moment of making this radio station, I was going to do it locally. Then God said, no, you're not going to do it locally. Then I was going to do it nationally. You know, we're going to hit the um, United States. And God said, no. Then he, he told me, you're going, now, Lord, I how are we going to do this internationally? Then he said, I will show you. And that's when I met with people like, you know, a Facebook uh, you know, uh, uh, group of broadcasters, internet broadcasters. And these guys were sitting there twiddling their thumbs. And we talk about Christian broadcasters. Twiddling their thumbs don't know what to do because they try to figure out how to get their stuff out. Until a guy told me, he said, look, you need to connect with them. I said, connect with these guys? <laughs> Come on. And I, and, and, and I said, these guys? And God said, yes. And I did. And now they are part of my uh, of the affiliates of this radio network. Now we got our own 80 stations that's here in every major city across the country that the, uh, the gospel needs to be preached and talk and give like this what we're doing now. This is need to be heard to those eight major cities across the, the country. But even the people worldwide, people from Africa all over, they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when God gave me that, told me to do this, the, the thing came come to my mind is, oh Lord, why me? Then when you realize it's not about me, it's about him. And when you realize it's all about him, the the things when I thought that I knew it all, I didn't know nothing. And that's when I realized I don't have to know nothing to be in his grace to be something. And that's when the beautiful thing about being a strong belief, uh, being in, in the body of Christ with you and others is that we I realized that Christ is much more than what I do is in me that he is everything and that's why I say to to you and I commend you for it's your harmonious now I did not know I, I didn't want to do this I didn't know I was going to build this thing up and, and make this happen but when God gave me that do the uh that that uh calling because that's where it is. It's a calling. It's not a occupation. It's not something that I got to go and clock in and do. This is a calling. I love doing what I do. I love to see uh, one soul get to heaven. I can have so many people listen to the gospel 24 hours a day, 7 days after week. But we ever get at least two or three souls to heaven to get them right with God, my father, to understand and love my father just like I love him and like you love him. That's much more to me 
than what the world could give me. So that's why I said I love being a a, a you know a disciple, and that's why I love to disciple get people to God. That's what I do, and that's what I love to do. But let me ask you this, Gary, and I want to ask you this um, about this uh, this this way of people worldview because what you was talking about before a lot of people don't understand that the worldviews they have instilled in them was birthed through some of these stuff that it's not biblical like liberalism progressivism socialism from public schools to even some of the churches that we go to today this stuff that these people don't understand about their worldview is so uh, uh, very tainted that's not even biblical sound and these are the people who claim to be of God that claim that they have a biblical worldview but they don't understand that they don't I want you to tell the people in your own world words in detail about the biblical worldview that God has shown you through what you are walking on this narrow road well Thank you for this opportunity. Um, Matthew 7, 13 to 15. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Sheep's clothing was the clothing of the prophet back in those days. That's how uh, wool was, excuse me, wool was the clothing of the prophets back in that days. So Jesus was talking about sheep's clothing. He knew everywhere he knew what he was talking about, what he was talking about. And what he was saying is you've got to be careful of people in churches, the leaders, the Judaizers back then, Judaizers, Paul, Peter, they go preach and right as soon as they were done, Somebody would come in behind them and twist the gospel. You know, you had the Sadducees that didn't believe in in uh, in, uh, in resurrection, and then you had all kind of false prophets back then. Peter warns us about it. Paul, everybody be false prophets. It's all over in Corinthians and Ephesians. You know, they come into your church and they come in as if they're one of you. Take over and twist the word of God. It's difficult enough because Jesus is saying there are two gates. You got the narrow, the wide gate. You're born on it. You're born in sin. You're born because Adam and Eve fell. Everybody is born in nature. If you don't think so, why is it, and I keep telling people this, why is it if you have a little baby, when that baby is one or two years old, you have to teach the baby how to do right? They will spit. They will do this. They'll be selfish. I always ask mothers that, that believe in evolution, how did you feel the first time you said something to your little precious two-year-old? And asked her to do She said, no. Where do you think that came from? Why is it? No, no, Bobby. No, no, no. Don't, don't poke him with the stick in his eye. No, no, no. Put the cookie back. You know, it's always they, because they're born with that nature. That's the nature we're born. We're born. We're on the wide road. And your sin's on the wide road. Your personal righteousness, your pride. Everything is on the wide road. Jesus said, you have to get on the narrow gate. He is the narrow gate. He is the only one that can save us. He is the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. 
please people within the sound of my voice, understand what that means. That statement means exactly either Jesus is the only way and every other religion is wrong, or he can't be anyway because he lied. He lied and he has to pay for his own sin. He can't save himself, much less save us. So you have one or two choices. Either Jesus told the truth and he's the sinless son of God, the lamb of God that came and paid for our sins. And through him, his precious blood and his covering is the only way we can get to heaven. Or he's a demon, a devil, whatever you want to call him and take every Bible and burn it. Don't even go to church again. You have no other choices. He did not intend for there to be so. Those are the only two choices. So then you have to look at the narrow road. The, the road he says to heaven is narrow hard to find. He said, you have to find it. It's difficult to find it because you're going to have false prophets steering you onto the wide road, telling you you can bring your sin, telling you you can vote for Democrats, telling you you can, you know, uh, be a homosexual or you can have abortions and, and your body is your body. They're just telling you every, every, anything. Oh, God, but you know, loving, he, he, he'll forgive everything. You don't have to just do it and don't worry about it. That You have all of that right, on that end, and, and from the false prophets, and then you have your own personal righteousness where people think they're good enough. Well, I'm better than the next person. You look at the people in your circle of friends and say, well, I'm better than, than these people, and, or, and you don't realize God's perfection. Perfection. You've got to be perfect. You can't be. We blew it already, and even as believers, we sin. And don't forget, sin is not just sin's of commission it's sins of omission too it's not just about things we do it's about things we're supposed to do that we don't do see so it gets us coming and going but we're covered by the by the blood of christ by god here is about a willing heart to lead to to lead us and guide us in his way so it starts with jesus christ you've got to be born again john 3 3 when he told Demas, he said you know you can't even see heaven unless you're born again. You can't even really understand that narrow road. And then the only way you can get in there is for me to come on the inside of you and take you there. I've got to steer you and get you and keep you and show you on that narrow road because I'm I I overcame everything when I was in the, when I was with Satan. He tempted me with food. I, you get hungry. I, I was here for 33 years. I went through everything that you could possibly go to. I conquered it. I conquered it on the cross. It's done. When I said it's finished, it's finished. You have your flesh. It'll be. It's going to cause you problems. But I have overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. See, so you've got to take Jesus. You've got to take Jesus. And then you have to understand the two covenants God made in the garden. The first person born of a woman murdered his brother. When Cain killed Abel. And then God said, can't do that. Can't murder. And then he took the woman. He was called woman. And he married her to Adam. And said, you'll call her Eve. And you would take your wife. And the two of you shall become one flesh. Those were the two covenants he made with mankind. They're unbreakable. They, they, you know that you cannot go against those covenants. The sanctity of life. You can't take it. The sanctity of marriage, one man and one woman. And if you want to know who the enemies of God are, who the enemies of the cross are, and who is, are the enemies of Jesus Christ, they are the ones that the Satan uses to try and 
get you to overturn and go against those two covenants. And if you look in this country, everything the Democratic Party stands for and everything that they're built upon now are based on abortion and it's based on, on, on same-sex marriage and, 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 and off of those two, it's spun into everything else of social justice, of getting God out of the schools, out of the country, out of the schools, out of the workplace, out of government. God was never supposed to be out of these things. You see, Jesus Christ belongs in everything. It's, the, it's, it's God's world. See, in, in the Cleveland, if you don't understand this, you're going to make bad mistakes. Like you're hearing about this new puke deal. Uh, excuse me. I called the new puke deal. They called it the new green deal. Even, even, even all of this stuff about climate. God, it's God's earth. He controls it. And just like the Tower of Babel. Remember they tried to build a tower and left God out of it. What did he do? Blew it down. That's right. Can't have any type of movement like a climate control or anything of a big nature like that, and you're leaving God out, this is being done by evolutionists and people who do not believe in God, and they're doing it through ungodly manners and ways. This is God's planet. He's not, and, and he's not going to allow anybody to, you know, and, and, and he's, he's going to come down. The hammer's going to come down on them if they keep doing this. This is, what, the reason I'm saying this, these are the type of things that if you have lost sight lost sight of who Jesus is, of picking up your cross daily and following him. You don't follow black people or white people. You don't follow rich people or poor people. You don't follow men or females. That's sex, gender, class. Those are the devil's unholy trio. He uses those to separate and destroy us. And it doesn't matter here. Go, go look at India, the Hindus against the Sikh. Look at all the Muslims fighting against each other. Look at what happens in Africa. Look at rich and poor, the caste system all over the place. Look at look at what you see with male and female all over the place. Even if you want to even go in the community and look at how, you know, they're talking about, well, white people did this to us, right? When you're talking about black people and how right. many black people discriminated against light skinned or dark skinned black people and they're complaining about what somebody else is doing. See, it's all sin. It's all part of the sin condition and this is the thing that Jesus will rid us of. He'll get us to see things through his eyes and through his way. That's the way to stay on the narrow gate. The narrow you, you say you say so perfectly. This I this is God talking through you about this because this is this is profound because some of the things that um even now looking at what the body of Christ is going through and you know the true true Christians, the true real bona fide Christians that, that you see in the fruit what they do. When you see that, you see this this masquerade of falsehood that's going on in, in the body of Christ and these false uh teachers and prophets and preachers coming in twist the scripture with Pierre, Paul and everyone else has warned, including Jesus, is telling us not to accept that, but follow me. It all started when you accept the sin. When you don't follow Jesus, you accept the sin. You accept it as who you are because that's who you are. You was born to it. Which I want you to lead people to Christ right now. This is a very, very, very very important moment right now it's a lot of people listening right now 
all over the world that are listening in to us right now, especially in America. I want you to speak to their heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank, thank you for this opportunity, Cleveland. And I'm, I'm about to cry almost because you have no idea just to be able to do this, to, to just to be able to talk to people and tell them that he loves you, that Jesus loves you so much. And you were, you, we were all created for his good pleasure. And Satan messed this up in the garden, but it doesn't have to stay this way. You, got, don't, you, you can find what God created you to be because you have skills and you have a skill set. And there are things that he would want you to do that could matter for time and eternity. But you must get saved. You must be born again. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. If not, you hear the knock on the door. If you hear the knock on the door of your heart, people, please don't. Don't don't close them out. Please accept this. You, you, you would have no idea the joy, the joy that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will give you. He'll give you meaning. He'll give you purpose. He'll clean you up. Nothing you have done, nothing you could ever do could be too bad for him not to accept you. He on the cross. He put his sinless life on the cross for us when we didn't know him. This is your opportunity right here to just get on your knees and say, Lord, I've blown it. I messed up. I'm a sinner. I realize I'm a sinner. And the only way to heaven is to be perfect. I can't be perfect. But your son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be there. And I submit my heart to you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I ask for you to I ask for repentance. I ask for you to come into my heart and change me from the inside out. I will give myself to you. I will let you lead me and show me who you created me to be. I'm tired of living for the devil. I'm tired of living for the world. I'm tired of living for my flesh. It's not getting me anywhere. And even if it does, what good does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So I just play from the bottom of my heart, from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of everything that Jesus stands for and everything that God stands for, that you will please please consider and just give him an opportunity and what i just say is if you're not sure give him a chance give him a chance let him into your heart say lord i don't know if you're real i don't know if jesus is even the only way because they say this over here and they say that over there but i'm going to give you a chance if you're real show yourself to me i open my heart to you please come into my life let me know you're real show me that you're real if you show me you're real i'll bow my knee to you and your sovereignty and give my life to you. Give him that opportunity. And then if you don't like, if he doesn't do it or you don't like it, walk away. But at least you will have given him the one chance he knows that he would want. Because as he sheep hear my voice and they know me. He's knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door tonight. Brother Cleveland, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's giving you the truth. Amen. There's only one way. It's only Jesus Christ. Why? Because nobody ever else resurrected. Confucius in the grave. Gandhi's in the grave. Joseph, you know, who started the Mormons in the grave. Charles T. Russell, Jehovah Witness, in the grave. Everybody, Muhammad, grave. Jesus is the only one who resurrected. That proves to you he's God's person. How do you know he resurrected? Hey, remember the crucifixion is a historical fact. He was crucified, right? And only the Apostle John was there. 
The other ten, because Judas had already disappeared, the other ten ran like scared. What happened to them? Three days later, on that Sunday, what happened that they went from being cowards hiding in a back room somewhere, hiding from the Romans and the Jews, to not only after Pentecost, admitting that Jesus is Lord, but then going out and evangelizing the world, and they all got martyred John. They threw him off a cliff. That didn't work. They boiled him in oil. That didn't work. They sent him to Patmos where he wrote a lot, you know, a lot of the, 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 the New Testament. But the point is, you won't die for something that you know is a lie. In other words, like in, in Islam, you got, you, got to, you got to blow yourself up in a holy war to find out if you're going to get 72 dark-haired virgins, which trust me, you won't. But you got to die to find it out. Those disciples know doggone good and well whether Jesus came back and they all scared rabbits on the day of the crucifixion. They all, at the, three days later, they all were ready to start the journey to never deny him again. And they're all martyred. You can look it up and see they all died horrible deaths. And I God's way to show and let you see that they saw the risen Lord because you needed proof. I gave it to you. So I just say to everybody within the sound of my voice, please open your heart to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and let him do for you what he's done for me and what he's done for Cleveland because he's waiting he's waiting for you oh thank you 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 brought me into tears um and I'm saying this because there's a lot of people out here who don't know Jesus as their Lord Savior right now and brother Gary you brought them to the, the gospel to them I thank you so much because you're showing them what God is. My brother, my brother, my brother, thank you. Because now it's the people will get their lives right with God. It's people now going to realize, you know, Brother Gary and Brother Cleaver is telling us that these guys' lives was not meant to be. But look what God has done to be in him. And like I said, I'm going to say this again. I'm saying this not only because of what Brother Gary said. I'm saying this with what God said. He says that anyone confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 9 through 10. That right there is what Brother Gary you. It's the confession. He said, trust him. Trust God. He will never steer you wrong. If he does, no, you don't have to follow him. Amen. But he but he will never steer you wrong. We are two brothers who been steered wrong by the world for so long. But when God got in our lives, he never steered us wrong since then. Yes, the world will go against everything you do, everything they say, and people of the world will keep saying things that is not true about our Father. And our Lord Savior Jesus. But if you go look up and look at the evidence yourself, if it was an atheist cop who went and looked up the evidence of Jesus Christ and he got saved by looking and finding the evidence that Jesus Christ did is die, rose from the dead, and ascended to the Heavenly Father and saw the disciples die for this man, this 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 wonderful awesome Lord. They died for him. 
And when they died for him, they didn't care what happened. They was in peace with it. That's how we are. And what I'm saying, you can have that same opportunity now. You can have it. We, we gave you the invitation. Just accept it. Just accept it right now. Brother Gary, I thank you, man. I really thank you, my brother. You have... You showing me what it is what to be a true believer. But not only that, by showing me that, but you show me what a humble man God does when he sets his heart and allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much, brother, for being part of this broadcast of the, of the spotlight. You are a resilient Christian, man. You are. And, you know, without being resilient, all the obstacles and stuff that fight with everything going on, you probably will never stand. Thank you to be that resilient Christian. Thank Can I say you. one more thing, please? Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, I want people to know, regardless of what you think of my presentation or what I said, I want you to know I've never done this before. This is the first time I've ever been to a Christian audience. I've always, I've taught Sunday school, and I've done a lot of radio, right? I got about 75 hours under my belt of radio, but it was political talk show. It was about politics, and it was about communism, and about, you know, right, left, and about socialism and Marxism. This is the first time I've ever gotten to to a Christian audience about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and who should be your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this 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 was, you know, I always pray for God to remove me and let him say what he wants, you know, through my vocal cords. So, as I said, this is the first time I've ever done this on, uh, you know, with a Christian audience. And I, I've had a great time. You yeah. asked questions and and i just hope that everybody will understand what god has done for cleveland and what god has done for me he will do for you all he's waiting for you to do is ask amen you said well uh brother gary i want everyone to give brother gary a praise and glory uh we thank you so much but not only that pray for this man god he got he got a wonderful site called Nations Bill of uh, Nations Savers twenty eighteen. But with that with that site is yes, it is political, but it's a, a whole lot of things that's biblical based. I, I I I check it out, I I went through it myself and believe me, I would not steer you wrong. But but the testimony of this man God is so profound. And I want to thank you, Brother Gary, to be part of this wonderful experience and to put the spotlight on what it is to be the humble man of God. I, we want to thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, it's Nation Saver 2018 on Facebook or my name, Gary Benford, B-I-N. You can check my page. You can befriend me. You know, got a few slots left, so you can... You can befriend me, but I, I thank you very much, Cleveland, because this is my passion. See, God led me to do the Nation Saver 2018, okay? But this is my passion. Talk, and you can tell, I hope, talking yeah. about him is my passion. Amen. And 
only come through the Holy Spirit because it can't come through the flesh. Flesh doesn't want this. Amen. You're right. All driven. Amen. Well, we love you, Brother Gary. The believer in Jesus Christ is upheld by God's power and so is naturally resilient. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4 8 9. Christians keep bouncing back. The key to resiliency is faith in the Lord. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him, though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Psalm 37 23 24. Choosing to trust in the Lord rather than rely on what we understand is the best way to stay resilient. Come back next week on the Spotlight on Resilient Christians. This broadcast is copyrighted by the Resilient Christian Radio Network.